May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. When Father Jason extended the invitation to write a sermon on our favorite psalm, the first thing that came to my mind was, what psalm am I going to choose? It's not like I have what you would call a, a favorite psalm, and it's not like I've spent a lot of time studying and reading the psalms. And I'm sure you're going to laugh when I tell you that the second thing that came to mind was an image or impression of the psalms as a whole. I've always felt that the psalms are some, uh, somewhat like Lamentations are Job. It's just an impression that they're moody and sorrowful, maybe even a little depressing. And right away, a scene from one of my favorite Christmas movies came to mind. I'm sure you all remember the scene. It's where Scrooge is first visited by Marley. And at one point in their conversation, Scrooge says to him, you are always a good man, Jacob, a good businessman, Jacob. And Jacob, shaking his chains and rattling those cans that are on the chain. Business? Mankind was my business. A little down there, you might say. Now, laugh as you want, but that's the first thing that came, that's the second thing that came to mind. So, I thought I would give it a couple of days, you know, to think about it. So yes, I slept on it, and on the second day, the second morning, as soon as I woke up, the first thought that came into my head was Psalm 24, and I'm thinking, where the heck did that come from? You could call it divine uh, inspiration, intervention, but uh, I don't ever really remember reading Psalm 24. So I got up quickly, and I went down, and I grabbed my Bible, my NIV worship Bible, opened up Psalm 24, and I thought, bonus! It's only 10 verses. That's great. It's short. <laughs> but after reading over Psalm 24, I'm thinking, holy cow, there's a lot to unpack here. So here we go with Psalm 24. But, oh, sorry. First, I have to tell you that Psalm, uh, Psalm 24 is about God who gives us all the gifts that are in Psalm 23. And where did I put it? There it is. I'm going to read you Psalm 23. And I got this from my stepmother, who is a retired pastor in a spiritual church in Bradford. And I thought this, is, this was really good. You should like this. The Lord is my shepherd. This is relationship. I shall not want. This is supply. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. This is rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. This is refreshment. He restoreth my soul. This is healing. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. This is guidance. For his name's sake. This is purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is testing. I will fear no evil. This is protection. For thou art with me. This is faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This is discipline. Thou preparest a table in the presence of mine enemies. This is help. Thou anointest my head with oil. This is consecration. 
My cup runneth over. This is abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. This is security. Forever. This is eternity. These are the gifts that God gives to us. And Psalm 24, you could say, is a companion song. So here we go. Here's the first line for Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. These two verses establish ownership. All of creation belongs to God. That's you and me and everything that walks, crawls, slithers, swims, flies, and yes, even those nasty little critters that dig holes in your front yard looking for grubs and worms. We also know that in Genesis, we are told or it's inferred that we are the stewards or caretakers of God's creation here on earth. Now, we won't get into that because it's a fairly big topic and it would take long to discuss what we've done to this planet. So yes, God as creator lays claim to all that was, is, and shall be. No buts or what ifs, just simple, straightforward, to the point. Verse 3 poses the first question of the psalm. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? Verse 4 tries to answer that question. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Now this verse, this verse speaks to the attributes of the person that can stand before God. But they don't give us his name. But not to, so I don't give away the conclusion of this sermon. I'm going to pass over verse 3 for now. And we'll go on to 5 and 6. They will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness or vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Okay, now you may say to yourself, okay, well, yeah, if, if I can keep my hands clean and my heart pure, then I'll be blessed. But I'm not perfect and never will be. None of us are. How is this supposed to work? And what does he mean by the generation of those that seek him? If you think about it, it, a generation is 25 to 30 years. And this psalm is attributed to David. So it's got to be multi-generational from the time God's word first came to us, to his chosen people, all of us and all those down through the centuries that have received and believed in the word of God. This is who he is referring to. And like I said, maybe it should read generations, not generation. Now I'm going to skip over another verse, verse 8, and focus on verse 7 and 9, as their, words is almost, their wording is almost the same. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Now, many biblical scholars uh, speculate that this may have been written, again, like I said, by David for his triumphant entry into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. 
Hence the reference to and the description of the gates of the city. But I have a different take on it, a different view. And I'd like to share with that with you. Let's take verse 3, 8, and 10 and put them all together. I can only come up with one conclusion. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And verse 10 is, who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Now I look at this as a prophecy, whether David, David intended it or not. Now we know for a fact that there's only ever been one person throughout human history that has lived and was without sin. One man that was fully human and fully God, and that was Jesus Christ. 1 John, verse 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? Jesus Christ, of course. And here's the kicker. Remember the prayer we pray each week before communion? The prayer of humble access? Remember these lines? Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. We have been made clean by the body and blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 23. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. With Christ as our Savior and Advocate, we too can ascend the mountain of the Lord to stand in his presence, to stand in his holy place. But first and foremost, before we can do any of this, there's one thing we need to do. Remember all those nice descriptive words about gates and opening so that the King of Glory may enter in. Just as Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem through the gates, the East Gate or the Golden Gate, so too must we lift up our faces towards heaven and open the gates of our hearts, our souls, to allow the King of Glory to enter in and change us for the better. Romans 3, 24 and 25. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God has presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God has not yet passed judgment on the world, on us. There is still time, still a chance for those of us still living today, still time for our families and friends to gain an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, to speak on our behalf, on their behalf. Matthew 5, 14, 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives the light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, how do I let my light shine? I uh, took to heart what the uh, series that Father Jason did on Revelations. And I came across a couple of hats. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. Revelations 14. It's not hard to shine your light, to let others see what it's like to worship and be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I have t-shirts at home, of course, that talk about the armor of God, and I wear them proudly. But don't pass up the opportunity to talk to someone about your faith when the opportunity arrives. Let people see your light. Show them what a life with Christ can be like. Amen. Please take a posture of prayer.